Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Here's this week's message. This morning, our scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 20. This is where Peter, Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 20. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Our Constant Companion Jesus and his disciples ventured into the district of Caesarea Philippi, an area about 25 miles northeast of the Sea of Galilee and about 120 miles from Jerusalem. The region was strongly identified with various religions. It had been a center for Baal worship. The Greek god Pan had shrines there, and Herod the Great had built a temple there to honor Augustus Caesar. It was in the midst of this pagan superstition that Peter confessed Jesus as the Son of God. He looked at his disciples and in a moment of reflection said, Who do men say that I am? The disciples began sharing with Jesus what they had heard from the people who had been following him. Some say that you were Elijah. Others say John the Baptist, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. It's always been this way. Jesus, as seen by the masses, is seen in so many different ways. You can speak of Jesus as a prophet, holy man, teacher, or spiritual leader. And few people will object to that. But speak of him as son of God divine, of the same nature as the Father, and people will line up to express their disapproval of that. A billion Muslims will say, Prophet, yes, God, no. Jews scattered around the world will say, Teacher, yes, Messiah, no. Liberal Protestants will say, Exemplary man, yes, divine, no. Who do you say Jesus is? In our pluralistic society, we have been watering down the Gospels and the name of Jesus for quite some time. In an attempt to not offend other people or their religion, we choose not to speak of Jesus. We accept the idea of God and we admit to trusting him, but then we go our separate way. We believe we can control our own destiny. Jesus then asked the disciples, Who do you say that I am? 
This is where the rubber meets the road. A right confession of who Jesus is is imperative to our very salvation. Peter, we know, answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus was delighted to hear Peter's words and answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Jesus knew that Peter didn't come to this conclusion on his own. It took a supernatural revelation from God. Just as people today cannot come to know Jesus on their own volition, it takes an act of the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth. Jesus must have swelled with joy to hear Peter utter these words. He knew it was time for deepening training of the disciples. The Lord knew that Peter and the disciples could now be led into new steps of deeper truth and service. Our Lord's entire ministry to his disciples had prepared the way for this experience. Jesus' ministry was also turning in a new direction. For the next three years of his ministry, he would be headed to the cross. For today, though, let's just look at Peter. Peter is the first of the disciples to declare, to declare that their teacher, Jesus, is the Christ, the promised one sent from God. Never before has Peter spoken in this way. Never before has any disciple spoken in this way. Here is how Peter offers his confession of faith. Jesus, he says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. The remainder of Peter's life can be seen in the light of this confession. In all we know about him, from this point on, he is either falling short of this bold confession of faith or he is living out its implications. What awaits Peter is no straight, flat road, no smooth superhighway, but a journey into the unknown with many twists and turns, a dead end here and there, and plenty of peaks and valleys. In fact, the rough ride starts immediately after Peter's confession of faith. Apparently that confession was not everything it could have been. Peter indicates that the Messiah he expects Jesus to be is very different from the Messiah Jesus knows he must be. Peter wants a Messiah who conquers without getting his hands dirty. Jesus knows he must be a Messiah nailed to a cross of shame. And so directly after Peter's confession, Jesus is forced to rebuke him in the strongest, most cutting language that we ever hear from the lips of our Lord. But Jesus does not leave him. Sometime later, Jesus enters Jerusalem for what becomes that final week before his death. His enemies move against him and apprehend him, not in broad daylight, of course, there in the city streets, but at night, in the quiet stillness of a garden. Peter swings a sword against one member of his group, but Jesus orders him to stop. The kingdom Jesus embodies is a kingdom of nonviolence. Again, Peter does not quite get it, but Jesus does not reject him. Peter ends up in the courtyard of the high priest's house, sitting by the fire with others. Jesus is being held as a prisoner inside. Peter's country accent makes him stand out there in the big city, 
And on three separate occasions, people say that he must be connected with this notorious Jesus from Nazareth. And as we know, on three separate times, Peter, afraid for himself, denies that he knows Jesus. One of his disciples, Peter says, sorry, you've got the wrong guy. It's as though he wants to erase that confession of faith that he spoke so boldly in our scripture reading back when they were in Caesarea Philippi. Peter denies Jesus and does it three times. But Jesus does not deny him. Soon Peter's world is turned upside down twice. First when Jesus goes to the cross to die there. Peter's hope for a new world order dies on that cross as well. And then second, when Jesus does not stay dead, but comes out of this tomb more alive than ever to console and challenge his bewildered disciples. The risen Christ turns up in unexpected places. Early one morning when some disciples are out in a boat fishing, he appears on the shore. He's got a fire going and they have broiled fish for breakfast. After that, Jesus asks Peter if he loves him. And he asks him three times. Each time Peter says yes, and Jesus tells him to feed his flock. Peter's denials are canceled out by this new commission. His track record has been far from flawless. But Jesus does not give up on him. Let's go ahead now, several more years. Under the power of the Holy Spirit, the Christian church is taking shape. And the burning issue of the day is whether Gentiles must become Jews if they are also to become Christians. The leaders, Peter and Paul, know what's right. That Gentiles do not have to become Jews before they become Christians. That all who believe in Christ are free to enter the church on an equal basis. Paul stands firm on this important truth. But in at least one instance, Peter fumbles. And Paul is left to correct him. Peter slips and falls, and he is helped to his feet. But for all his clumsiness, Jesus is not ashamed of him and does not reject him. The final episode about Peter that I want to mention does not appear in the Bible, but it's preserved in an early Christian document, an early Christian tradition. See, Peter's preaching puts his life in danger. He is warned of a plot against him, and he is persuaded to leave Rome. He starts to leave Rome, but turns back and decides to stay. How did it end for him? Well, again, our church tradition says that cruelty came his way in his death. And tradition tells us that he was crucified. But before he was crucified, he was forced to watch the crucifixion of his wife. The traditionalist Eusebius in historian uh, writing in his ecclesiastical history said, he stood at the foot of his wife's cross and kept repeating to her, remember the Lord, remember the Lord. And after she had died, he himself was crucified and pleaded to be crucified upside down because he was unworthy to die like his Lord. 
So then at the end of his life, Peter finds new courage to live out his confession of faith, all because Jesus does not abandon him. He was a leader. And you and I are here today because he was faithful to his calling. God wants to take the raw material of some of us, put it through the right experience, teach the right lessons, make the right leaders. I believe Peter's life can be summed up in the last words he said recorded in the last verse of the last epistle that he wrote. That's 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Here is his word to you. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. He could tell you to grow because that's what he had to do. The Christian life of each of us resembles that of Peter. There's a confession of faith which we make, or maybe our baptismal sponsors make on our behalf. But from then on, we are either falling short of this confession of faith or living out its implications and learning along the way. What we experience is no straight, flat, smooth superhighway, but a journey into the unknown with many twists and turns, a dead end here and there, and plenty of peaks and valleys. Where are you on that journey? Perhaps it has been many years perhaps few, since your first confession of faith. You may be in one of those low places that Peter came to. You may feel you are past the point of getting up again. But here's good news for your bad news. Each of us is just like Peter. Whatever we do, Jesus does not leave us, reject us deny us, or give up on us. Jesus is not ashamed of us. He does not abandon us. He is our constant companion. He has already turned to you. It may be time for you to turn to him. Once the Holy Spirit reveals Christ in our lives and we make the confession of faith, it is not the end of our journey, but the beginning. We are then supposed to read and study scripture. Have a daily open line of communication with God. Associate with other Christians, worshiping together, and we are to spread the good news to others. We are to be the instruments that the Most Holy Spirit uses to reach others for Christ. Let us remember that this week. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this great confidence that comes to us through your word. What a joy it is as we put ourselves with those disciples on that day who heard those thrilling words of hope and promise. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Keep us faithful and filled with joy as we anticipate the ultimate triumph yet to come. Use us this week to proclaim that Jesus is indeed who he says he is. For Christ's glory we pray.
Amen.